this. You know what? And in the ring with Dan and Benny, hey, brother, man, he's about the most cat. I just love him to death. I love you. Thanks for having me. Hey, you're the best. I'm telling you, brother, in the ring with Dan and Benny. Yeah. We love you. Thank Woo. you so much, Dan. Oh, yeah. Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spashian, joined as always by the player himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing, buddy? Dan, I, I want to give out a heartfelt congratulations to Chuck Norris and the rest of the Texas Rangers on winning the 2023 World Series. What, couldn't have done he, it without him. He was the 25th man, right, Walker? <laughs> Apparently. Well, I'm glad you watched because... Uh, as a diehard baseball fan myself, I was kind of heartbroken when they said that was the lowest watched World Series in over a decade. Very, very sad. But, I mean, in all fairness, when you had your your Braves and Orioles and all these teams that were bringing in big numbers, that was Rangers. Uh, <clears throat> Rangers Diamondbacks was probably the worst combination baseball could have hoped for as far as national ratings. Or maybe like, except for the, maybe the it Rockies. It would have been better if the Phillies like would have been in there. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The Phillies would have brought some numbers, and they. But hey, uh, fans. Benny, this is our last chance for a while to to get distracted with baseball news. So get it out of our system now. But we're uh, we're doing something a little different today, Benny. You and I, we, we've been talking about wanting to do something like this for a while now. We've got a panel assembled today. So first, why don't you uh, introduce the uh, our our guests? We'll give them a chance to talk about themselves here in a second. But why don't you tell everybody what uh, what we're doing today? It's a little yeah, different. We're- we're doing a, a show of a different color there. So we got two very good friends, as well as devoted wrestling fans, um, telling us what they like and what they don't like about professional wrestling. We're going to call this episode, I guess, then and now, or whatever the whatever we want to call it. But now for our guests, and oh, ladies always first, so I'm delighted to introduce my very dear friend, heel manager extraordinaire, and recent newlywed, Jade Ambrosia. And our other guest is another very dear friend, the Prince of the Peaceable Kingdom, Mr. Tony Rocca. Jaden, Tony, welcome to Dan and Benny in the Ring. Hello. Thank you guys for the wonderful introduction, and thank you, uh, Jade. It's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you as well. Thank you. Now, Jade, we'll we'll, uh, start with you. Benny uh, always won for quick nicknames and his, uh, his great introductions. Heel manager extraordinaire. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, uh, I've been a wrestling fan my whole life. It's one of the first memories I've ever had. Um, and not to get too sappy or anything, but I went through a near-death experience two years ago. And after that, I was like, you know, life's short. It's time to finally do what I've always wanted to do. So I started training uh, with Jimmy Valiant. And I am a very bad perfectionist and i was like i'm not ready to get into the rig quite yet so now i'm just a heel manager not just a heel manager heel manager extraordinaire absolutely i can respect that and and tony uh anyone who knows you on social media sees uh a lot of your posts involving animals and your involvement with the zoo um why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself 
Uh, I, uh, my uh, again, I, I uh, compliment compliment Jade as far as my uh, early memories of, uh, of of going to any first events or uh, any big events. It's it's always been wrestling. Uh, it's it's in my blood. Um, uh, I'm part of the Philadelphia Zoo. I've been a conservation educator there. I've been an animal caretaker there, uh, pursuing my uh, uh, zoo and aquarium science cer- certification. Um, and uh, uh, as far as anything animals go, I'm, I'm the go-to guy. Um, it's it's uh, the best job in the world. And uh, that that aspect is my background uh, currently. Uh, I'm also an Army veteran. Uh, I served with the 29th Infantry Division, uh, 116th Brigade Combat Team um, during the Iraq period, uh, and um, still maintain my relationships with uh, uh, several of my battle buddies that I served with. And uh, it, they say, when you're a veteran, they say it was the worst, best time of your life, and uh, it was. As a uh, as a former Navy man myself, I can understand that sentiment. It's been about ten years I've been out, so I get it. But um, like Benny said, well, when thank, we thank this, you for your service, Dan. Thank you, you, you for your service. You too, sir. At, like Benny said at the top of the hour, we wanted to kind of do a fan fest. Obviously, there's a, a little bit of an age gap, and we wanted that. We wanted more of the new and more of the, and I, I mean this with all respect, Tony, more of the old. As a matter of fact, Tony, uh, Benny suggested reaching out to you. When we started the Dan and Benny Facebook page, you were one of our very first signups. So you've kind of been yeah, yeah, with I, Dan you, and Benny since yeah, day one. That. So that that means a lot to us, and I want to thank you for that. You're you're very welcome, and it's uh it's my pleasure. But um, as as we have said, though, uh, ladies first. So we'll start. Jade, first question to you. You you hinted on it. You've been a fan your whole life. Every time we do interviews, we always start with the same question. We want to ask people about when they got involved in wrestling as a fan, like when the, as we say, when the wrestling bug first bit them. You said you've been a fan your whole life. Do you remember the moment, be it whatever you saw on television or, or where you went, where you're like, I'm I'm hooked, I'm I'm in. So uh, when I was a kid, I always remembered like sitting on my grandpa's lap while he watched Nitro. We didn't watch WWE, and um, then ECW that really bit me uh, was ECW definitely. Um, I've always kind of gravitated more towards the hardcore, rough and tough stuff. Um, but I can't really pin down exactly what the first wrestling thing I ever saw was, but I remember every Monday just sitting down watching Nitro and being like, this is what's good in life. Now, when you when you ask about Nitro, did you happen to, because uh, it's funny, Benny, how many guests, it's the same story. It was my grandpa, my grandma, we used to watch wrestling. Like, how many people's grandparents got them into wrestling? Oh, yeah. did, did you... Given the area and and what would have been on TV at the time, did you watch WCW before Nitro? Like, did any of the Saturday morning war superstars or any of those shows, or did you not get into That's, it until the nineties with or the mid nineties with Nitro? Well, I, I'm I'm 27. Okay. So 
Um, so we're what, what 96 I, maybe? Yeah, I I remember being like two sitting on my grandpa's lap and watching. And I remember he would get uh, tapes from his friends of like the ECW latest show and stuff. And I remember being very young, but seeing the Sabu, Terry Funk, Born to be Wired match and being like, this is oh, wow. the best I've ever seen in my life. That's another name that pops up a lot. We've had a lot of guests say that Terry Funk was one of the fir- their first favorite wrestlers. I guess when oh, you yeah. when you went when you went around the world as many times as he did. Um, Tony, uh, flip side, same question to you. Um, obviously, you you probably were because Nitro debuted in the fall of '95. I imagine you were a fan slightly before that. Do you remember what it was when you uh, what what it was that got you hooked when the wrestling bug first bit you? Oh God, I. I... Actually, Dan and Benny and Jade, I actually have, when my dad passed away, he always used to go, like I said, we started, I started going as a kid when, when the WWF was, was doing their shows at the Philadelphia Arena. And uh, I don't know if it's like faded memories or favorite recall. I mean, I think they even took me there as a baby and I never understood what it was until you know, I became a little, you know, like a toddler, a little older. Uh, I have home movies. I I, I need to uh, uh, transfer those things. But my earliest memory, uh, uh, Bruno was a big thing for my family. My family were Italian immigrants. And Bruno was a big thing as far as, you know, common knowledge to the Italian community. Uh, and uh and but he bruno also transcended uh ethnicity african americans loved him uh, puerto ricans loved him everyone loved bruno because that was the kind of person uh he was the kind of character he was the kind of dignity he had the way he carried himself his values and his character uh but my early earliest memory uh, Philadelphia Arena. I think I might have been seven years old. I want to say uh, it, it was a, a match with Bruno and uh, George the Animal Steel. And uh, George the Animal Steel, the living crap out of it. And there's not much much more I can say about that. I mean, you know, of course, Bruno was victorious. But uh, that's my earliest, earliest memory of that. Uh, with Nitro and the WCW, that's when I finally got back into it. Uh, I, you know, when when I lost it was when Vince McMahon Jr. went. Tony, we pretty uh... much made. There he is. Sorry, you, you cut out for a second there. Can you, you you had just said Vince McMahon. You mind repeating that? Um, I'm sorry. Uh, let me. I'm in a cave in my room here. Uh, when Vince McMahon Jr. broke kayfabe was when I really stopped watching. When he turned, you know, he, he turned the wrestlers into comic book characters, and you know, and all that, and the MTV stuff and everything else. That's when I pretty much stopped watching 
Uh, I got back into it in the 90s uh, with WCW and, you know, when when everybody jumped ship, Hogan and Roddy Piper and all them went, you know, um, and it, it became, you know, the way it was before it became. Back in that cave. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, my very first memory, I think I was six or seven years old, Philadelphia Arena, uh, because it didn't move to the Philadelphia Spectrum, I think, until the mid-70s. And uh, the first match I ever remember uh, vividly was uh, Bruno versus George the Animal Steve. So, uh, follow-up question. I'm sorry, Dan. Uh, Yeah, you're good. um, Tell us about your, your journey. So, like, Jade, always ladies first. Describe your fandom throughout your life. So you you started watching when you were a couple of years old. When did you go to your first show? Did you did you maintain a consistent uh, interest in wrestling throughout your whole life? Um, and then in your case, maybe uh, um, tell us about a little bit more as far as why you wanted to get into wrestling. Although you kind of touched on that already. And then we'll have Tony do the same thing. Yeah, so um, I didn't go to my first event until I was like 18 because I just never had the money really growing up. I was kind of the only one that was kind of into it after my grandpa passed. Um, So I didn't really have any way to go see it live, but I always watched um, because in my day, I remember Monday was Raw, Tuesday was ECW, we didn't have anything on Wednesday. Thursday was Superstars, Friday was SmackDown, Saturday was Ring of Honor, and Sunday, it was, for a while, either Velocity or Heat, so I always had something to watch, and I was a pretty consistent fan for most of my life, up until about 2014 is when I kind of, like, pushed away from WWE and started watching more New Japan and Indies and stuff like that and fell in love with uh, the whole back catalog of CZW and things like that Um, and I didn't really start watching WWE again probably until 2017 and then now I watch pretty much as much as I can uh, except I don't watch WWE anymore, but I watch a lot of uh, New Japan, TDT, AEW, GCW, ICW, stuff like that. And Jen, I forgot to ask one question. Who who have been your favorites? I kind of know who your favorite is now, but who have been your favorites? Uh, my all-time favorite, the the one who made me fall in love with wrestling was Edge. Edge uh, okay. stood out to me as soon as I saw him in the brood. Um, and then watching him evolve into the rated R superstar, and now seeing him in AEW as Adam Copeland, yes. And um, but Edge and China, China was if I talk about China too long, I'll cry. Uh, so I won't do that. But I love China. Uh, now it's John Moxley. I've loved I was John waiting Moxley. for you to say that. You, you, you were <laughs> going to disappoint me there for a second. Yeah. I mean, I kind of have his name tattooed on me, so I kind of have to talk about him. Uh-oh. Do you really? I do, yeah. Okay. Can we ask where? Um, um, it's my kneecap. Okay. Uh, but um, 
I, as soon as he debuted in the shield, I was like, I need to figure out everything I can about him. So I started watching HWA, CZW, everything he had done before. And now I'm pretty obsessed, I guess. That's right. He trained at Heartland Wrestling Academy, right? Yes, he did. Okay. Under Les Thatcher, I believe. Mm-hmm. Who was a, I think, two-time guest on our show. Really, really good guy. That's interesting. Yeah, I, uh, everything about, like, the way that he wrestles, especially now, is kind of what I want to do, is the the hardcore brawler, um, and it's very reminiscent to me of Harley Race, and that's, that's, that's an interesting comparison. Yeah, just hard-hitting, it's great. I like Anthony, how about you? Oh, I'm... I was distracted. What's, what was his question again? I'm sorry. What's the square root of 170? No. Um, so, no, just uh, over the course of the years, like when like when did you go to your first show? How often did you go? I'd, I'd ask you who your favorite is, oh. but I, I already know that. That's an easy one. But did you have anybody oh, else besides oh Bruno? Uh, after Bruno, uh, uh, I kind of got into the heels more. Uh, the, uh, the Larry Zabisco's, the, the Roddy Piper's, uh, that sort of thing, the, the, uh, Bret Hart before he became a face. Um, I, I, we started going to the matches from as early as I can remember. Like I said, at the Philadelphia arena, then later, you know, with the transfer at the Philadelphia spectrum and, uh, every month. Every month on that Saturday, uh, my parents and, and, you know, it's emotional for me to think about it, but it's the greatest memories of my parents were those Saturdays every month, either going to the arena or going to the spectrum uh, to see Bruno. Uh, it, it, just tremendous memories. Uh, it, it, uh, I some of the matches that really stuck out stick out in my mind um the the epic three um uh the epic three with uh superstar billy grand in 78 after he uh bruno dropped the belt to him uh where the spectrum set a uh record attendance uh it was even uh vince mcmahon took out a whole full page ad in the philadelphia inquirer Thanking the Philadelphia uh, wrestling fans. Wow! Well, you had the two matches, and then you had the final steel cage match. I mean, they were turning people away. There, there were like five, six thousand people that came down. That you know, and and back then too, what what's different today, uh, as far as getting tickets uh, in the seventies, uh, when I was little and we went to the matches. Uh, after after the show was over and you were leaving the building, the box office was open, so you could purchase tickets for the you know the next month's you know event, and they would always sit there after the show was over and they do a you know do like a lineup card of next month it's this versus this this for he versus that this you know and that's you know that's how it was in the seventies. 
it's one, one uh, being a kid in the seventies and growing up watching wrestling the way it was then. Uh, I, I wouldn't, it was the best. I wouldn't take that back, uh, for anything. Wonderful time. No argument here. Absolutely. Well, you know, we talked about the past. Let's talk about the current. Jade, uh, I'll start with you. You mentioned um, not really watching WWE. Uh, you're obviously clearly AEW fan. So we'll start with you. One, um, if you could expand a little bit more on what the current, what you watch from the current product, and uh, what you, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I watch a lot of deathmatch stuff. Um, that's primarily uh, my my uh, expertise. Uh, I've been front row at Tournament of Survival. I'm going to be front row for the Nick Gage Invitational. I'm uh, really big into GCW. I go, I go up to the Atlantic City weekends a lot. Um, and there's nothing quite like being in a room full of Deathmatch fans with the way that Deathmatch performers are. Um, I also love AEW because it has the sense of like what I fell in love with, which was was kind of the attitude era of ruthless aggression era. It reminds me of a lot of that. Um and it really truly makes me feel like a kid again. And I it's just I get very giddy. And it's no matter what is happening in the world or anything like that, I can watch wrestling and it makes me incredibly happy. Well, let me ask you a quick expansion on on your side. Um, as you got into wrestling later than than the rest of us, uh, did you go back and watch any of the old like YouTube or the old tapes or whatever, and go watch the territory matches and and stuff from the seventies and eighties and and even before? Do you, do you watch any of the old wrestling? Yes, I do. I um, if I'm watching anything, it's it, there's wrestling on my television probably. Okay. Um, well, then, I, I watch a lot of stuff. Okay, then I wanted to ask your thoughts because Benny and I were talking before the show. What do you think? And I want to get this from the younger fan. When you watch the current product, be it uh, you, you mentioned people by name like Nick Gage and, and John Moxley, you go back and watch older wrestling. What do you think about watching the current product and seeing moves like the super kick and the DDT and even more modern, more recently like Canadian destroyer and moves that used to be when, when I was a kid would, you know, Jake, Jake hit the DDT. That was it match over. Now you watch a, a, a match today, John Moxley or whoever, and you'll see a dozen DDTs, a dozen super kicks. People know selling Canadian destroyers. What do you think about the fact that moves that when, when we were kids, or I, I should say, you know, when I was a kid and then obviously before that, Benny and Tony being, not so much like like about what do you think about the evolution of the product? I think that the evolution of the product is uh, it's more so not the product itself, but I think it's the performers a lot. I think that um, a lot of wrestlers now have taken so much inspiration, but from so many different styles and kind of combined them. Because then, of course, like you do have strong style wrestling where. They're not doing the DDTs all the time. They're not doing the super kicks. They're not doing the showy stuff. It's the fundamental basis of wrestling. But then you have people like MJF, who can literally do anything. He just chooses not to, but he'll pull it out because 
to his core, he's an old school wrestling fan. So he sticks to the basis of he sticks to his technicality, but then he'll pull out a Tobe Suicida just to show you that he can. And I think there is a love of the pure craft of wrestling, but it has evolved past that. Whereas you have a lot of athletic wrestlers now. And, but back then it was who looks the biggest, not necessarily who is the most athletic, but who looks it. But now we have people who can show that they're athletic and they don't necessarily have to look it. Okay. I can respect that. Uh, Tony, then question to you. Um, do you follow the current product at all? Do you still watch modern wrestling? Uh, really, I stopped watching a long time ago. Uh, I recently got an interest in Ring of Honor. Actually, when I was serving in the Army, I, I lived in Virginia, Christ, for 15 years. Uh, and that was the only product as far as wrestling came on was ROH and it was always on a Saturday night at 1 a.m. Um, but if you want you know, anything about the military, you're, you know, you're, you're, your sleep is screwed up anyway. Uh, as far as the current, current product, I like the, you know, the, a, a, I, you know, I, I'll do the YouTube videos and stuff like that. But my, my thing is, and I'm going to show my age now and I'm going to show my bias now is back in our day of the 70s okay i mean our the wrestlers back the wrestlers back then you know could do the same things that the wrestlers do now as far as being athletes it it wasn't a matter of not being able to do it 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 was a different time and it was you know they didn't have to do it I, what's lacking today in the modern product is the emotion that they had, the, the emotion that wrestling had back in the old school in the seventies. You can't get that anymore. You, can, you can't get that today. I mean, wrestling today, I mean, the audience will sit there and then you'll see it, it, it's like acrobats now. It's not really wrestling. When you had a finishing move, Back in the seventies, you knew that was it. That guy was done. You know, as today you'll see, you know, people be sitting there in the audience, and then you know somebody will take a big bump and fall from the top of the steel cage through fifteen tables, and oh, everybody will cheer, and then they'll just sit down, and then they'll wait for the next big bump. Yeah, there's no emotion back then. The the like I said, you can't get the emotion involvement of the fans from the seventies that you talking about the uh the ring psychology, which good, bad, or indifferent is definitely something that's changed. Right. Exactly. I've I've seen the superstar Billy Graham. Uh, shoot interviews, read his book, read Larry's memoir. Uh, when when super when Bruno dropped the belt to Superstar, when Larry did his hill turn to Bruno, people wanted to kill them. They actually had death threats. 
Uh, The police in New York would actually call Larry Zabisco's hotel room and say, don't go to this restroom. You've got that. Or don't go to this. Don't go to this restaurant. You've got death threats. He he, he was stabbed. Going to going to a match to fight Bruno. He was in a taxi cab. A mob came over and actually overturned the taxi cab. Police had to come drag him out of the car. Uh, and a lot of the times after his heel turn on Bruno, he had to be the undercard, the first or second match, so he could get out of there without getting hurt. Superstar Billy Graham, the same thing. Once When Bruno dropped the belt to him, death threats. He was also, you know, he also had to fight himself out of arenas from fans, you know, going out, you know, and that's the, that's what's missing. You know, that's, that's the difference. That's what made, in my opinion, our era, the best era is, is the emotion, uh, the emotional involvement into, I mean, and, and, and even, you know, what, whatever you want to say about wrestling, uh, you know, and, and character development. And, and I mean, when you, when you looked at Bruno, okay, he was a bull. He was a friggin' silverback gorilla. You could look at Bruno and you could, you know, you could, in your mind, you could say Bruno could walk through a wall because like he, cause he looked like. Yeah, he had the, uh, he had the physique. I know Benny and I had the pleasure of interviewing or being on a panel, I should say, with Larry Zabisco a couple of years back. And he mentioned his physique was similar to Bruno's because of how they trained. They trained together, right? Yeah, and- they did. The, they, they did the same workout and everything. And and that was the whole thing when they did the Shea Stadium and they did the heel turn. The McMahons weren't sold on it. And, you know, because with Bruno, you know, his opponent had to be six five and three hundred fifty pounds, and then you know they're looking at you know Zabisco. They're both the same height, almost the same weight, um, and, and and like I said, you looked at a Chief J Strongbow back then. Uh, you know, you know he'd run around and do his Indian death, you know, death dance and karate chop, and you'd think, hey, man, you know, he could kill you. I can understand that. Benny, uh, next question to you. What are you thinking? Yes, sir. So, and again, ladies first, uh, and we, we know who I guess your favorites are now. So, Jade, do you think somebody like a John Moxley, if we, you know, he got put in a wrestling time machine and he got transported back to, let's say, Mid South in 1981, do you think he would translate into that era? Absolutely. I, th- I think especially with the way that he is technically, I do think that he would thrive because of how hard hitting and he does have a lot of old school feel to him. Um, He doesn't really do a lot of flashy things. He doesn't do high flying moves. He never really leaves the mat. And I do think that he could thrive, especially in mid South. I definitely think so. I would think he'd be a guy that would, I mean, he'd be the, like the prototypical territory guy. You know, he'd, he'd work, wrestle in every territory, 
maybe for six to nine months. He'd win a belt everywhere he went. You know, and he might not be the champion, but he'd be like, you know, like maybe the U.S. champion or a tag. He'd be, he'd be a champion of some sort. He'd be, he'd be up, you know, up to the you know top of the main event. So I, 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 I agree with that. He, he's he's definitely hardcore wrestling. And I don't even mean the way he wrestled. I just mean in his, he's a wrestler. And yeah. he would, if he was alive in the, you know, if he was born in 1958 and he was 24 in 1982, I think, yeah, I mean, I think his passion for wrestling, if it was the same as it was now, he would have, he definitely would have been a star in the territories. Tony, how about Bruno? Do you think Bruno, uh, if Bruno got put in a time machine from 19, say, 77 to 2023, do you think his? Do you think Bruno would be the same? You know, have the same impact as as he did back then? A uh, 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 Bruno at that age? Yeah, in, Bruno in his Bruno in his prime. Oh, absolutely, he would. I, I when, like I said, when when McMahon broke kayfabe and destroyed for pro wrestling essentially, and then brought in all the juiced gassed up steroid guys which if i'm not mistaken they they couldn't move so the the lex lugers and and the ultimate wars they invented the, the the clothesline as the finishing move because they couldn't do anything else bruno if bruno was wrestling in today's product bruno would would destroy what's out there uh, the acrobats <laughs> could flip around and jump around and everything. Bruno put them in a backbreaker and win. <laughs> but do, don't you think? I, see, I think to a certain extent, and it wouldn't be Bruno's fault, but it was really McMahon. The fact that McMahon, you know, d- d- destroyed kayfabe. I mean, Bruno. I mean, we. we I'm sure you feel the same way I did. I, I thought Bruno was yeah. Superman. I mean, I thought Bruno ah, was indestructible. But- and I mean, I Absolutely. thought, and I mean, yes, when I went to a match and I saw him face Tanaka, my heart was in my throat thinking like, dear God, please don't let Bruno lose. And he always, you know, he always found a way to win. But yeah, I just Tanaka wonder. Yeah, would if, throw the salt in his face, you know. <laughs> yeah. The, the, that gimmick. Yeah. I wonder yeah, if it was I, more I, salt. Uh, if he had a certain brand that he preferred. Was. But I mean, I, I I just wonder, like, would Bruno's invincibility have been, you know, hindered by the fact that, you know, people know what's going on now? Where, you know, when when we thought it was you legit, wise to it, yeah. I I think that yeah. might. Do you think that might have hurt Bruno? I I do actually. I mean, I think Bruno still would have been a huge just because of who he was, would have been a huge favorite. But I just yeah. I, I don't think he would have been quite the same. Yeah, uh, you know what? Now that you you put it in that frame of reference, um, as far as like I said, as far as you know, the emotional investment uh, of our day compared to now, I think that yeah, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you now um, to an extent uh, as far as Bruno. Yeah, yeah, because you know everything's everything now is flashback. You know, it's it's acrobats. It's uh, you know, like I said, I, I I wish the the closest it got to our era, what we grew up was the ECW and the WCW. When when uh, they uh, they had that 
split and uh, and unfortunately the infighting and and all that all the other crap destroyed that but that was that was the closest to getting back to the wrestling that we grew up with that we knew right. uh, the golden era of you know the 60s and the 70s well uh i mean jade i know you you talked about obviously you mentioned edge and the brood which still one of my favorite entrance themes ever just entrance in general but um yeah. You know, you you had you had these moments. I was kind of hoping, other than than maybe Edge coming out or or some of the first, um, the your impactful moment. Is there that one impactful moment where you were just like, if you know, if you had to pick just one, a match, a promo, uh, something you saw on the screen, even if it's only for a few minutes, that one moment that impacted you forever, and that's that's what cemented your 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 legacy and as a wrestling fan. Oh yeah, I think everybody. I, I say all the time that like generations have the moment. Um, one of my my uncles saw, you know, the slam, and that's cool. For me, my moment was Edge sparing Jeff Hardy when Jeff Hardy was hanging from the title at Mania oh, yeah. X. Mm-hmm. That's what did it for me. That was I. Whenever I'm like talking to someone and trying to convert them to a wrestling fan, I'm like, let me show you something. And that's always it. And I, uh, and I guess maybe I'm biased because it is Edge, but that's the moment that hooked me for life. And the TLC match was legendary, even for someone, even fans who don't like the weapons or the, the, uh, the, the, what is it? Maybe not weapons is the right word. The, 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 the stuff like that, that match was absolutely incredible. But let me ask you a quick expansion on that. You watch the current product, Adam Copeland debuted in AW a couple weeks ago. What do you think about somebody who could, what was that? 20 years ago, more, uh, you know, have the TLC match go through the career he had, and here we are, 2023, better part of 30 years after Damon Stryker first showed up as a jobber on WCW, and he's yep. still going, and he's still one of the better performers in, in the business today. What, what do you think about that? I, I truly think that it, uh, it shows, using his own word, but it shows grit. It shows passion and you know, especially for Edge, he he was gone for nine years and he was told he could never do this again. Right. And he ended his career probably in a way that anybody could ever want to. You know, 31 championships, his entire illustrious career was with one company pretty much. And to have all of that and then say... I still want to come back and I still want to do this on my terms. It's not like he has anything to show us. It's just the love of the craft. And just uh, me and my husband get into an argument about this all the time, but I truly believe Edge belongs in the Mount Rushmore conversation because of that. 30 years still can move very well and 
uh, he is someone that I would love to sit down and pick their brain about wrestling because he, he's one of the people that gets it. Uh, Tony mentions, you know, the psychology and everything, the emotion, and that is something that Edge has always done, whether he conveys it with just his face in a promo or the words that he uses or just how he can counter a certain move. The way that Edge understands psychology is also another reason why I was really excited for him to go to AEW is because there are a lot of younger talents there that I think could really benefit from hearing not only from Christian that's already there, but Edge as well, to like one of the best tag teams of the modern era and to learn from them and to be able to pick their mind is going to, I think, really help elevate the next generation that we are preparing. Tony, obviously your generation and your era, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is your defining, because you, you talked about it earlier, is your defining moment the uh, the Zabisco turning on Bruno, or do you have a different defining moment for, for your fandom back then? That, that well, you you hit the nail on the head. Uh, that that heel turn with Sabisco and Bruno. Uh, I mean, now that I know, I mean back then, 1980. Oh, I was I was almost a freshman in high school, but I, you know, I was still, you know, the emotion and and all the other stuff and and the psychology and. Uh, I was still, you know, you know, I, I was wise to it, you know, by then, as far as how wrestling worked and as far as how, um, you know, the things did things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I've spoken to Benny before and we've shared it oh, yeah. uh, a lot of times. Uh, I, I, when, when Zabisco hit, Bruno those three times on the chair with the chair and he bladed at, I was I cried <laughs> I was like oh my god and and I can't even be, begin to tell you uh, the reaction and the response of my parents uh, it's yeah that was that was the defining moment when the the, the Zabisco heel turn uh, on Bruno was uh one of the most defining moments uh one of the most defining matches uh when i was a kid i think i was 10 years old i was either nine or 10 years old was uh when they moved to the philadelphia spectrum uh uh it was a cage match with uh bruno and ivan kowalt mm. and then you know from memories from being a kid i was like oh my god you know, this, the Russian bear beat him, took his belt. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're on your edge of your seat uh, the entire time. And uh, it, it, those are the two, the uh, Ivan Koloff-Bruno cage match. Uh, Ten years old. How old was it? 1976. The Bruno, uh, yeah, 10 years old, 19. The Bruno... Ivan Koloff cage match, fought off his spectrum, and the uh, watching on TV, the Zabisco heel turn on Bruno were my 
two defining moments of my era, uh, you know, the old school era, uh, as far as my captivate, being captivated and uh, wanting to go on uh, as far as watching. I like it. Benny, as we, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, Jada, I, real quick, amazing choice in beverage, by the way. I absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah. I had to make sure that you can't see the. Hey, hey, you, yeah, hey, you, you, hey, this is off topic. Uh, I know you guys are closing, but uh, uh, you want to hear a, a Army Infantry life hack as far as uh, beverages and hangovers? Uh oh, go for it. Yeah, right. I racked it only works with vodka and it's an acquired taste so uh when you when you make your vodka drinks you you your chaser use gatorade or use powerade it's an acquired taste and the reasoning and the logic behind that and it works is that you're not only feeling the effects of the alcohol but you're also hydrating at the same time and in the morning, there's no <laughs> hangar. That's fair. Spent enough, uh, spent enough hurt mornings over my years overseas, so I get it. Benny, as we, uh, uh, I, I, I get, I guarantee ahead, it. <laughs> I, I, I guarantee it. It, it, it works. I, I've experienced it, and uh, yeah, it works. Well, for those. Uh, for those that are just going to listen and, and and not be our on the YouTube side, Jade had a uh, we're not going to mention a brand name, but she had one of the pouch drinks that I can never seem to get the straw in right. So very very I haven't seen one of those in a long time. Benny, as we wrap up, final question to you: What, what are you thinking? Well, I'm going to ask both of them. I think this is really crucial to understanding then versus now. And Jade and I have talked quite a bit about wrestling, and you know the bottom line is. You know, Tony, Tony and I, back in the day, when we watched the wrestling, we were watching people fighting. And now when, you know, when Jade watches AEW, it's more that it's more, it's obviously a performance. I mean, and that's, the to me, the biggest difference is that wrestling has evolved from the fan perception of a fight versus a performance. So, so Jade, does, does that, and, and understanding that you grew up with this, does the fact that it, you you pretty much know it's not a true fight, does that take away in any way your enjoyment watching it? No, not at all. I actually um, remember the exact moment I found out it was not real. I was probably like eight years old. Kane had Shawn Michaels a steel chair around his neck and he stomped on it. And, you know, Shawn's like bleeding everywhere and I'm like freaking out. And... Um, I was adopted at the time and my guardian was like, it's not real. And I just remember it was like a kid finding out Santa wasn't real. It was just kind of like, what? Santa's not real. Yeah, sorry, babe. Oh, geez. But, um, but it was kind of like that. It doesn't take the magic away from like Christmas itself. I'm still like, people still celebrate Christmas, even though they know Santa's not real. It just cut it. The veil is gone. And I think it also, knowing that it's not real, and especially after, like, me myself stepping into the ring and training, you get another appreciation of, 
you have to learn how to do this to not hurt yourself or other people. And it's anybody can get into a fight. Anybody can go punch someone in the face and fight somebody. But the fact that the way that they do this and put on a performance and make it safe. And of course, it's not ballet. People do get hurt. But I have always had such a deep admiration for the athletic aspect of wrestling itself with a performance. And it's, I have never not enjoyed that. No matter if like kayfabe was dead or not. Right. Very interesting. How about you, Tony? I, I tend to agree with what Jay just said. I mean, the wrestlers are legitimate athletes. Okay. Yes, the, the, the outcomes are predetermined. The uh, you know, the, the there's angles, there's storylines, but they're still athletes and they're still needing, you know, and and with the performances. You know, you need to know, you need to know the moves. You need to know, hey, if you get body slammed, land on both your feet so your back doesn't get jacked up. You know, you know, the things like that, they're, they're still athletes and they're still performances. I don't take anything away from that. Um, and I agree what she said 100% uh, as far as, uh, you know, the aspect of, of wrestlers back then and now uh, as performers, y- you need to know the craft. And uh, if you don't know the craft, you're going to get hurt. And if you don't know the craft and you don't know the moves, you're going to hurt your opponent if you don't complete that move correctly. Uh, and, I mean, I... To that extent, I I see the timeline uh, as far as uh, the uh, the product, as far as the uh, the performances. But uh, I still say to this day that uh, uh, the era, the Bruno era, that era, uh, um, you know, and I I love Edge. I love you know the Big Show. I went through all that, you know, and Roddy Piper and ECW and WCW and uh, and I still say to this day, Ken Patera would have been a great heel champion. Absolutely, uh, yeah, one hundred percent. He should, without question, he should have beat he should have beat Bob Blackman. He should he should have been and, and superstar was so over, even as a heel, he got so popular he would have been a great babyface champion as well yeah they should have turned uh, him and even even on. his physique exactly and uh and like i said this has been a great podcast uh, uh jade i'm so happy to have uh, been on here and honored uh to speak with you and and listen you know hear your views and hear your history dan and benny uh, so happy to be with you guys and uh, inviting me on here. Um, but I will still, as far as then versus now, I will still go with then. Uh, that's just my. I have to add one quick thing. And, and you know, I, we, I use the word performance, but, you know, as the 
current and only commissioner of Boogie's Wrestling Camp, BWC. You know, I've gone there many a Sunday watching everybody, you know, practice their, 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 you know, their skills. And it is, performance or not, it is a very, very physical thing. Um, It's not ballet. I mean, yes, maybe maybe it's predetermined, but these guys, I mean, when you hear the, the... you can't fake taking a bump, you know, the the, the impact or, you know, a, a chop to the chest. I mean, it, it hurts. And and you got to be in character when you take that bump. If you're a face or you're a heel, right. you have to sell it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that goes into uh, well, like- what I have here, what I have here in, in Levittown, Pennsylvania, is the Ring of Honor, the RHO uh, dojo. And uh, several of my friends at the zoo moonlight there. They're trying to become wrestlers. Uh, Three have made it to WWE. They're strictly preliminary jobbers. But uh, it's weird. I mean, when I look at all the shoot interviews, Nobody was getting in the business in the 70s unless somebody knew you or picked you. Zabisco got into the WWF because of Bruno. Broke into and, Bruno's and, backyard. And, <laughs> yeah, he broke into Bruno's backyard and then started working. And, and that's how it was back then. Johnny Rods was Gorilla Monsoon's guy. You know, all those people, you know. They didn't want you in the business back then. You had to prove yourself. Um, all the stories with Roddy Piper and uh, uh, who was the blonde guy? He played. He fought a lot in the NWA. Uh, he re- he got drunk and wrecked a car every night. And then they had. He was in, in when he was in the mid south for NWA, and he had to. Uh, As they had to go through different airlines. You're right. Unfortunately, you're going to have to be a hair more specific NWA wrestler that got drunk and wrecked a car. I can think of about a half dozen stories off the top of my head. Oh, my God. And it's like I'm having a brain fart. That's like, you know, an all points bulletin. The suspect is Caucasian between 5'11 and 6'1. You know, (laughs) that that, that, that narrows it down to about 5 million people. He had a one hour match with, uh, oh, my God, what was his name? Not, this is embarrassing. Well, I well, I forget it now. That'll be for another. You'll remember the minute the podcast is over. Guaranteed. Of course. Uh, yes. like it always happens. <laughs> well, uh, Jade, thank you so much. Tony, thank you so much for doing this. As we wrap up, um, Tony, we'll we'll start with you, and and Jade will end with you. Um, I mentioned in your intro, you and, and you obviously said it yourself. Your zoo involvement. Um, I know. Uh, uh, anything you want to you want to plug or give a shout out to as we wrap up? Uh, the only shout out I want to give out is to uh, to support conservation education, uh, support endangered species, uh, support your local zoo where you are, uh, the zookeepers, the animal department, uh, the vet department there do a lot of things. Uh, as far as uh, saving endangered species, uh, the whole thing with the zoos is is captive breeding to rewild and put these endangered species back into their natural environment 
in the wild. Uh, that's my big thing. Uh, again, support your local zoos, visit them. And if any of you guys, Dan, Benny, Jade, ever want to w- visit America's first zoo, because that's what we are, the Philadelphia Zoo, I will give you all a VIP tour. Uh, we are a start place and we're a special place. I love it. Nice. Uh, Jade, the top of the hour, we introduced you. You, you talked about your career, uh, your training, and obviously your activity in wrestling. So uh, does the, the manager extraordinaire, any social media profiles, any upcoming events, anything like that? Where, where, uh, can, where can our fans find you? Uh, you can find me on pretty much any social media platform as paging Dr. Zegos, D-R. Um, and... Uh, the only thing I'll leave you with is support your local indies. Support everybody, yes, everybody absolutely. that you love started there. Um, who cares if it's in a high school gym, if it's in a, I just went to one the other day that was in a fire department. Like everybody starts somewhere. Support local wrestlers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without, without question. Um, Benny, another great show. Obviously, we've had a lot of fun. Jade, thank you so much for your time. Tony, thank you so much for your time. Um, for those that want to listen, obviously, we start Dan and Benny in the Ring can be found anywhere podcasts are listened to. Thanks again. We'll be on YouTube, our friends at Monty and the Pharaoh. So for Jade Ambrosia, for Tony Rocca, for the player himself, Benny Scala, I'm Dan Spashow. Have a good night, everyone, and we will see you next time we're in the ring. <laughs>